In John chapter 16 and verse 33, Jesus said, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. I think we can understand today that we can overcome the world. It is possible. And I realize we all have struggles and we all have things that are weaknesses and sometimes things pull us in the opposite direction in the way that we should go. But Jesus so long ago said, I have overcome the world. The question is, can we? Here's our points and then we will talk about these things individually very briefly. But I'll give you the four points and the four reasons why we can overcome the world. And here they are. Number one, because God has given us the power. Number two, because faith gives us the victory. Number three, the world shows us the alternative. And number four, we can because the results of overcoming give us motivation in our life. My aim for just a little while in this lesson is to encourage us to be faithful and be faithful living all the days of our life, showing that we can overcome the world and the rewards of doing so are great. In John chapter 16, though, in our passage, in our introductory passage, I want to talk about the word tribulation there for just a moment. Now, I realize that sometimes today it is misunderstood about the days of tribulation. You've heard me preach on this recently about tribulation. Sometimes people think this, that when the Revelation letter talks about tribulation and so forth, it's talking about the last few days before the Lord comes back. And we're going through the age or the days of tribulation. Let me ask you a question. Are we in the days of tribulation today? Yes. But Jesus was speaking to other people, wasn't he? He was speaking in John chapter 16 and verse 33. He was talking to his disciples. He said, you disciples in A.D. 33 are going to have tribulation. So when, what are the days of tribulation? It began in A.D. 33. It is in the church age, and it will last until the Lord comes back. And we will have tribulation in our life. So what he's saying is, he says, I have overcome the world. And that is the context of our passage. Jesus overcame the world through his death. Paul said in Galatians chapter 1 and verse 4, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of God our Father. In 1 John chapter 2, John sums up the power of the world. And he says, Do not love the world or the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. So, overcoming the world is overcoming the sin that is in the world. Question is, can we do that like Jesus said that he did? Can we overcome the world? The answer is yes. Reason number one, because God gives us the power. I want to make a point here that I think is very important. You've heard me say, and the older I get, the more I believe this, the more I'm convinced of this, the older I get. I do believe we are all broken. But what do I mean when I say that? 
What I mean when I say that is we're all imperfect. We all make mistakes. We all sin. We don't ever get to a point where we elevate ourselves and say, you know what? It could never happen to me. It just happens to the weak folks. Because guess what? We can check all the boxes and we can be at all the services and we can say we really got it figured out. But the Bible says, take heed, he that, said, that stands, lest he fall. If you think you stand or don't think higher yourself than you ought to think. Sometimes when we think that way, we fell just then because of our arrogance or our pride. So I believe that we are all broken. And yet, we're going to talk about the idea of power and God-giving power. I believe this too. And again, the older I get, the more I'm convinced. When we are vulnerable to God, which I believe he wants us to be, that's when God shows up. When we say to God, I am nothing without you. I can't do this without you. I need your strength. I need from whatever you can give. I need the peace that passes all understanding. I need it from you. I need that. When we're vulnerable to God, I believe he wants us to be that way. Then that's when we have God's strength. And that's how we can persevere. And that's how we can overcome. God is in us and he gives us the power to overcome. In 1 John chapter 4, beginning in verse 4. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are of the world, therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us, but this we know, the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. God's power is in his word in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek or the Gentile. Another passage found in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So we overcome by having a knowledge of God's word. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So can we overcome? Absolutely. Because God gives us the power, and the power is in his word. Now, let me just say this, too, before we go any further. Don't ever doubt the fulfillment of what God has promised. If God has promised something, he has promised his power through his word, he has promised strength through his word, then you have to accept that and believe that. Don't doubt that. Can we overcome? Absolutely. Why? Number one, because God gives us the power, but then there's more. Number two, because faith gives us the victory. In 1 John chapter 5, beginning in verse 4. For whatever is born of God, whoever is born of God, overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he that overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? So interestingly, 
The one that gets to overcome the world is the one that is born of God. That's number one. Okay, how do you get that? I'll just set the stage. We know these passages. We know these passages very, very well. In John chapter 3, very briefly now, when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus and he told Nicodemus, you have to be born again. Nicodemus says, how is that possible? What about an older person? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus said, he that is born of the flesh is flesh. He that is born of the spirit is spirit. And then he said, you must be born again. And then Jesus says how you do that. He said, it's by being born of water and the spirit. And that's being baptized. So stay with me on this. This is a great promise. Faith gives us the victory, but the one that overcomes is the one that is born of God. The one that is born of God is the one that is born again. And the one that is born again is the one who is baptized for the remission of sins. Saying all of that, notice what Peter says. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. In 1 Peter chapter 1, in verse 3 now. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So, we can overcome because faith gives us the victory. Notice this. The manifestation of our faith is being born of God. That's first and foremost. And that happens when we're born again or baptized for the remission of sins. Okay? The object of our faith is Jesus Christ. And faith gives us the victory like that song we used to sing that overcomes the world. Number three. We can overcome because the world gives the alternative. I think it's important to understand who the enemy is, don't you? We don't wrestle with flesh and blood. We don't do that. But we are in a spiritual battle. We really are. In fact, Satan is trying to get us every day. He is the great tempter. And I think it's important to remember who the enemy is if you're going to be in any kind of battle. The enemy is the devil. Satan is the one who controls the world. He's the one that does that. In 1 John chapter 5 and verse 19... We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. There's nothing good about Satan. You know, people say that there's good in everybody. Maybe that's true in some sort of way. I don't know. But I will tell you this. There's no good in Satan at all. And when Satan and a third of the host of heaven were cast out because of sinful pride and thrown down or cast down into pits of darkness awaiting the resurrection, I'm telling you, there's no good in Satan at all. And he wants to take as many people with him to the lake of fire one day as he can. He's the father of lies. In John chapter 8 and verse 44, you are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. Satan is the adversary and the devourer, too. In 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. 
He's the deceiver too. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 14. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. What does that mean? What does that mean? When Satan transforms himself into an angel of light, what's that talking about? You can read a number of commentaries where they would offer a number of explanations. But I think what we can do is to be really safe is look at the context in which Paul wrote this. Paul is writing to them and speaking about false apostles. And just right before this, he's speaking about these false apostles. And he says they actually transformed themselves, false apostles, into the picture of a real apostle. And then he says this, but it's no wonder, because even Satan transforms himself into an angel of light. Now, Paul was not saying that an, a false apostle actually transforms himself and becomes a, a good apostle or apostle from God. And he's not saying that the devil is transforming himself and literally becoming an angel of light. What he's talking about is they do what they do and appear to be good or appear to be from God when really they're not. Remember this too. Satan has three forms to tempt man. Three forms. And he is cunning and crafty. But the three forms in which he tempts man is as a, as a subtle serpent, as a roaring lion, and an angel of light. And you know, sometimes, sometimes a false teacher, for example, could appear like what he's saying is good or he's from God. You know, the world is filled with and history is filled with men that have said that they have some new revelation or this is something new that came from God. All they're doing is acting as though they're from God, but they're not. And Satan would love that. Satan would love us to think that what we're being tempted with is from God and it's really for our own good when it's not. So saying all of that, I'll just say one final statement along that line. If it violates the word of God and it doesn't come from the word of God, from a religious perspective, it cannot be from God. Regardless of the good that we might think it is doing. Now also, remember this too. Very sobering. It's possible for the world to overcome us. It really is. To overcome us if we're not careful. A very familiar passage found in 2 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 19. While they promised them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by whom a person is overcome, by him also he is brought into bondage. For if, after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the latter end is worse for them than the beginning. For it would have been better for them to not have known the way of righteousness than having known it and turned from the holy commandment delivered to them. But it has happened to them, according to the true proverb, a dog returns to his own vomit and a sow having washed to her wallowing in the mire. Now, I'll tell you, I don't think, I don't think that it's a worse punishment for somebody that turns their back on the Lord and that person is lost. I don't think there's a worse punishment in, for that person than somebody that never knew that is lost. 
I think if you're lost, you're lost. And I think hell is just hell. But I think when it talks about it's better for them not to know or it's worse for them to have known and then gone back. I think it's the memory that you didn't have to be there for eternity. It's the memory that you had the truth. You had the word of God. You had salvation, but you've gone back. And I think that feeling or that thought forever is worse than somebody that never knew. And I think that's what he's talking about, to know forever. You know, one of the great things about heaven, I believe we lose our memories of all the bad things we ever knew. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't it be great to go to heaven and no longer have heartache or have memories of all the terrible things that perhaps we've gone through in life or are in life? The Bible says there's no tears in heaven, so we can't have sorrowful thoughts. But I think there's one thing for a person that is lost that they never lose, and that's their memory. You remember that the rich man knew exactly his fate, and he knew where his brothers were too. And he wanted to warn them, but it was too late. It was too late for him to say anything from where he was. So, can we overcome? Absolutely. And one of the reasons is because the world shows the alternative, and Satan is the great tempter of that. But fourthly and finally, we can overcome because the results of overcoming gives us motivation. And I'm just going to uh, give five passages, and I'm not going to comment on these passages. Uh, this, this will actually make the point that I want to make. So here is the results of overcoming, and it gives us motivation. He who has an ear, Revelation 2 and 7, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life. Number two, he that overcomes, according to Revelation 2 and 11, shall not be hurt by the second death. He who overcomes, Revelation 3 and 5, Jesus says, I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. We can overcome because in Revelation 3.21, he who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. And finally, Revelation 21 and 7, he who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. So, finally in conclusion, do we desire these wonderful blessings do we despise the awfulness of the world? Do we desire to be victorious through faithful living? Do we desire God's power in our lives? If this is your desire, you can overcome. And so can I. We can overcome the world by God's power. And God's power is revealed through his word. We can do so by our victorious faith where Jesus is the object of that. And by rejecting the alternative, Satan's in charge of the world, and the world offers absolutely nothing. And finally, we can overcome by allowing the results of victory to motivate us in our life, and we can overcome the sinful things of the world. We thank you for listening to our podcast put on by the Church of Christ at 2215 Plans Road in Bakersfield. If you would like any additional information or you would like to receive a free Bible correspondence course by mail, please email us at info at churchofchristbakersfield.com. 
Our service times are Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. Please make plans to join us. We would love for you to be our honored guest.